Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Madeline Fox. Today is Thursday, January 4th. Coming up, some residents of St. Joseph, Missouri, say they've seen more anti-LGBTQ discrimination after the city didn't renew a gay pastor's position on a local board. There are some people who are genuinely afraid to come out to their friends and family because they see how they reacted to the gay man on the library board. But first, some headlines. Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves announced yesterday that she's beefing up time officers spend in the streets in response to the city's grim new homicide record last year. Graves said she's instituting a new 11-hour shift for all patrol division officers. To address critical staffing and deploy more officers on the street during peak times, to reduce response times and provide more opportunities to proactively address crime issues in our community. Kansas City reached 185 homicides in 2023. Graves said she's also going to use more evidence-based deterrent strategies, like the collaborative Partners for Peace group that already works to prevent gun violence. Graves said she will also soon issue a written violent crime plan. Missouri lawmakers kicked off the 2024 legislative session in Jefferson City yesterday afternoon. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports, lawmakers this year have an extra must-pass item. Normally, Missouri lawmakers have one major required responsibility, passing the annual budget. This year, they have the added-on task of passing the Federal Reimbursement Allowance, or FRA, which funds most of Missouri's share of Medicaid payments. Speaker Dean Plocker spoke on the importance of passing the FRA during his opening speech to House members, which received bipartisan applause. But Minority Leader Crystal Quaid stated concerns over possible hurdles for the FRA in the Senate. It is deeply concerning. The last time the FRA was, was up, we weren't able to get it done. We had to go to a special session. The Republicans in the Senate were adding birth control bans to that conversation. The legislature runs through mid-May. Missouri has tentatively opted into a federal program that would provide more than $50 million to feed children over the summer. Children who qualify for free or reduced-price school meals are eligible for $40 each month over summer break on an Electronic Benefit Transfer Card, or EBT. Kelsey Boone is Senior Child Nutrition Policy Analyst at the Food Research Center. She said that money could supplement existing summer meal programs. The addition of summer EBT benefits can help fill those gaps left by the programs, whether that be due to lack of transportation or lack of meal sites in their area. The decision to participate is not binding. Missouri has until February 15th to submit a plan to run and pay for the program. More of Kansas City Today after this. It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best of the best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. This summer, St. Joseph, Missouri erupted in controversy. A conservative evangelical pastor launched a campaign to prevent the gay pastor of a progressive church from being reappointed to the city's volunteer library board. 
The campaign was successful, and residents of St. Joseph say the resulting uproar has revealed how divided the small community is and brought to light anti-LGBTQ discrimination. KCUR's Nomeen Ujiyadeen brings us more. First Christian Church is located in a 125-year-old building in downtown St. Joseph. Its sanctuary features a Tiffany chandelier and an ornately carved wooden table covered in colorful strips of cloth. It's where members share their weekly communion meal. The pastor, Brian Kirk, says the church shares its space with a congregation of immigrants from Micronesia, a chapter of Narcotics Anonymous, and organizers of the local Pride Festival. We're a church that really believes in the beauty of diversity within the human being, within creation, within beliefs. But now First Christian is figuring out how to remain a welcoming space for all while protecting itself from the threat of gun violence and vandalism. In June and July, the church was under a new spotlight when Kirk's volunteer position on the St. Joseph Public Library Board was up for renewal. Some residents thought Kirk shouldn't be on the board because of his support for the LGBTQ community. The city council received dozens of letters and protests outside City Hall drew hundreds of people on both sides. And Kirk, who is gay, found himself in the middle of a social media firestorm. I had spent a decade here trying to build a good reputation in this community, and suddenly you're you're in the public eye. Kirk says he thought about it almost constantly. He worried for the safety of his husband and his family. There's a great deal of stress because there's almost nothing you can do about it, and you just kind of have to accept that it's happening to you and uh, try as best you can to go about your daily life, but it's, it is all-consuming. The pastor who started the campaign against Kirk was Josh Blevins of conservative evangelical Grace Calvary Chapel across town. Blevins says he didn't initially know Kirk was gay, but he was concerned Kirk would use his board position to promote LGBTQ ideas because his church had hosted an event featuring a drag queen. Blevins says homosexuality doesn't align with the Christian God. He created man and women in the context of, of a marriage relationship from the very beginning, which is God's design for the family and um, um, for human sexuality to thrive in. Grace Calvary Chapel's campus is more than 55,000 square feet and features a coffee shop, podcast studio, and a wide stage with room for a band. Blevins and his congregation don't shy away from politics. At an August event, Blevins encouraged the audience to get involved in the local school board to prevent the teaching of LGBTQ acceptance. He discouraged Christians from collaborating with LGBTQ groups and said drag shows, pride parades, and teaching about homosexuality in schools are a form of grooming, manipulating children so they can be abused. We are against the practice of homosexuality. Part of the grooming is normalizing sinful behavior in the culture. In 2022, the church created a website called Vote St. Joe, which interviewed local government candidates and rated them based on conservative values. The federal Johnson Amendment limits the political participation of tax-exempt groups like churches. But Blevins thinks that's unconstitutional. He says churches should remain tax-exempt, but still have a moral obligation to participate in politics. America has enjoyed unprecedented freedom probably in the history of the world. And I think that it's something that has to be stewarded. It has to be fought for. It has to be maintained uh, in order to be enjoyed. Critics have called Grace a Christian nationalist church. Blevins denied that label to KCUR. 
But Andrew Whitehead, a sociology professor at Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis, says Grace Calvary Chapel's beliefs do align with an academic definition of Christian nationalist values. Christian nationalism is a desire to see uh, a particular expression of Christianity privileged in American civic life. Those values include support for traditional social arrangements like marriage and strict gender roles, authoritarianism and strong rulers, a national ethnic identity based in whiteness, and the victimhood of Christians in a secular society. Whitehead says Christian nationalists see rejecting homosexuality and abortion, for example, as essential parts of their religion. And more Americans are now choosing their religious communities based on their political beliefs. Our congregations have less political uh, variation than they used to. They can operate as echo chambers. Some progressive residents of St. Joseph are concerned Grace Calvary Chapel has too much influence over city politics. As a result of the library board controversy, the city changed the way it appoints people to its boards and commissions. And some say discrimination against LGBTQ people has become more apparent. R.J. Jackson, a former member of Grace, says family members have been called slurs in public, something that's never happened before. There are some people who are genuinely afraid to come out to their friends and family because they see how they reacted to the gay man on the library board. Any kind of homophobia and Christian nationalism entering, entering politics, it has a measurable ripple effect. Jackson left Grace because he thought the church was becoming too conservative. So did Sean Connors, who later came out as gay. Connors says social media attacks on Kirk and others have made some progressive St. Joseph residents feel unsafe and unwelcome. We're being treated like we're second-class people um, that don't deserve to live, to thrive in St. Joe. It wasn't until October that Brian Kirk, pastor of First Christian Church, felt like he was finally free of the stress of the summer. Kirk used to feel that St. Joseph was, if not a liberal community, a libertarian one. People's individual choices were respected, and LGBTQ people were free to live their lives without interference. He doesn't feel that way anymore. It seems to be a pretty clear message that we will tolerate you if you keep quiet and keep your head down, but if you put your head up and you have something to say, Um, we're not going to allow that. And the fact is they were successful. Kirk knows of two transgender people who've left town because they no longer feel safe. His church is thinking of hiring security and putting up cameras to stop a potential mass shooting. And he's coping with his realization that the community is more divided than he thought it was. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Madeline Fox. This podcast is produced by Anna Schmidt and KCUR Studios and edited by Gabe Rosenberg. To read No Mean's story, visit kcur.org, where you can also find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station and our partners. And please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us reach new listeners. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. 
Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.